1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, Ben, remember, mm. I point to you, you sing the song of the day, okay? Oh, man. You gotta remember all that? How's it going, everybody? Your Ben Jarofsky <laughs> show for Thursday, December 12th, so is just moments away. <laughs> But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring our program. First up, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. They sponsor this program as well. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, sponsor this program. And today's Ben Drosky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor.
2: Whole lot of love. Whole lot of love. I'm going to do the little screechy thing. Remember that part of whole lot of love where they like do the weird stuff? And there's no
1: show quite like this one. <laughs> the Ben Jarowski Show starts now. <laughs> it is Thursday, December 12th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, in these times, writer Miles Camflassen is back to talk progressive politics, and it's the return of Chicago political consultant, Ben calls him PC, and that doesn't stand for political consultant. It's Peter Cunningham. And now your host. (laughs) That guy. (laughs) Chicago Rainer columnist
2: Ben Jarovsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarovsky here. We're calling this Head in the Gutter Thursday. And here's why. Woke up this morning bright and early at nine. Yeah, I was up and at him early, D. Nice. First thing I did as I always do when I wake up, I yawn, I stretch. (sighs) And then I click on my phone, and what did I discover? I discovered the following headline in an email from the Tea Party. Yeah, D, I get Tea Party updates all the time. Still getting those T-mails. Do not know why or how I got on the Tea Party mailing list, but I get uh, up regular updates like this, and I will now read you the headline that I discovered at 9 in the morning when I woke. God, was that early. Anyway, here we go. <clears throat> Trashy Hunter Biden won't pay child support, but his baby mama thinks the world should know this about his bank account. How about that for a headline to wake up with, D? Huh? Trashy Hunter Biden won't pay child support, but his baby mama thinks the world should know this about his bank account. That's the headline? That was the headline in the tea party. That's a long headline. <laughs> That's a late tea party, but all they needed was trashy Hunter Biden won't pay child support and baby mama. That's all you needed. Child support, baby mama. All right, now, folks, just so you know. Some of you out there who are not completely and utterly and totally obsessed with politics, the way I am, Hunter Biden is the son of Joe Biden. Joe Biden's the leading candidate right now in the polls, anyway, in the polls uh, for the Democratic nomination to run against Donald John Trump. Uh, Donald John Trump is utterly obsessed with Joe Biden, as we know. He was trying to extort the Ukraine president uh, into uh, announcing that he was doing an investigation of Hunter Biden. I don't really. Know that much about Hunter Biden? It's not one of my obsessions. Uh, sons of prominent politicians, daughters, a prominent politician. I generally work from the, the. I work from the the, the rules, sort of that. You know what? That's their life. They're not public uh, figures. Let them do their thing. I cu- talk about what the parents do. On the other hand. Hunter Biden's a grown man. Hunter Biden uh, was working as a consultant. He was on the board to Ukraine uh, oil company, energy company. He is a public person in his own right. So, you know, he is, it is warranted in my humble opinion, Okay, he may be trading on his daddy's influence. I do believe I know I'm going to get kicked out of all parties uh, filled with my beloved Democrats are going to be mad at me. I'll go lock the door. Lock the door. My friends of the Democratic persuasion are going to be mad at me. But I believe it's a legitimate issue. All right. Now, here I am confronted with this headline that told me something I never knew about Hunter Biden, that. Uh, He's in a child support battle, and he has a quote-unquote baby mama. Uh, Baby mama is a derogatory way to uh, talk about the the mother of his child. So apparently the Tea Party is not exactly the most dignified uh, conveyor purveyor of news, but uh, that's Donald Trump's party. What do I expect from it? Anyway, I had a choice, Dean. I had a choice when I saw that email. I could have just moved on to the next headline which was something uh, i think it was the chicago tribune headlines could have been something from the chicago tribune you know i could have moved on or i should have, i could have collected not proud of what I did, D. Oh, no. I'm a little shame to admit what I did. Please do not, like, get this around. Everybody out there listening, don't tell anybody what I did. I clicked on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I clicked on it. I became clickbait for the Tea Party. I just drove up the numbers by one, and I'm probably going to get a MAGA hat in the mail. As a result, you have won this MAGA hat <laughs> for clicking on the thing. And one thing led to another, and I wound up reading accounts of Hunter Biden's, how do I put this, very complicated love life. Uh, and this, is, uh, this dude's got some issues. Can I just throw that out there, D? Uh, he was married for many years. Uh, he had three children with his wife. He got divorced from his wife, began dating the widow of his brother. His brother died of cancer, and then he began to, uh, dating his brother's uh, ex-wife. Uh, while he was dating the ex-wife, uh, he impregnated the, his girlfriend, Uh, denied that he did it she forced him uh, to take a paternity test Uh, he uh, the test showed that he was indeed the father and now he's locked into a very contentious child support battle with the mother of his child and the reason why this is quote-unquote news is because the lawyer for the the woman whose child he had is trying to force Uh, Hunter Biden to reveal all income he's received from his work as a consultant uh, to uh, the Ukrainian uh, energy company and any work he's done anywhere. Uh, Now, there's ostensibly... a a legitimate reason for doing that the legitimate reason to see how much he's worth so then they can ascertain how much she could legitimately ask that would be the quote-unquote legitimate legal reason for it uh the other reason is not so legitimate it's hardball politics in a contentious child support case folks you're threatening him essentially to force force him to pay more in child support by saying uh they're going to force him to reveal things that he or his father don't want to reveal. And guess who's watching us every step of the way, Donald John Trump and the tea party every day that this case goes on every day that there's new revelations, uh, about Hunter Biden and his very contentious child support case. That will be grist for the mill. And you can expect more emails from the tea party, uh, with those salacious headlines about, Baby mamas, and child support, and trashy Hunter Thompson. they have already given him a nickname, Hunter Thompson. That's the second time I've done that. Hunter, Hunter Biden, I love Hunter Thompson, by the way. Uh, Hunter Biden, I did that when I was talking to Miles. Like we're gonna talk about uh, Hunter uh, Thompson today. And uh, by the way, I'm pretty much the only guy who knows this story on the left. You know why, i I'm the only one on the left who reads the Tea Party emails. How about that? <laughs> oh, lucky you. <laughs> the other thing I really know a lot of is about the Horowitz Report. I can't find anybody willing to talk about that. <laughs> You know, they're going to kick me out of the lefty because I'm into stuff that, you know what I mean? It's like, Ben, uh, don't talk about Hunter Biden's problems. Folks, I got news for you. Yes, it's sleazy. Yes, I got my head in the gutter. Yes, it has no relevancy whatsoever to the all important issues of the day. Yes, we should not judge uh, Uncle Joe Biden by whatever his son is up to. Yes, history is filled with prominent politicians who had ne'er do wells for sons and daughters and brothers. I remember Bill Clinton's brother Roger Clinton. I re- no, I remember Billy. I remember Billy Carter, Jimmy Carter's ne'er do well younger brother. Remember him, D? Oh, you, you weren't even born. Oh, of yet of course. He had his own beer, Billy beer or something like that. Let's hear
1: your Roger Clinton impression. You do a good Bill Clinton. How's your Roger
2: Clinton? Hi, everybody. I'm Roger. Okay. I have no idea what Roger Clinton said. Dennis, Bill Clinton here. You're a good guy. Come on over. Let's have a drink.
1: Now do Roger again. Hi, everybody.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's my Roger. Anyway, so I know there's a long history of prominent politicians and presidents who have near to wells for relatives and really does not relate to their life but folks i got news for you <laughs> these are new times we live in and the republicans are determined to take anything they can that will divert attention from donald trump's sleaziness they want to use any they're going to use any excuse they could find to say to undercut the democrats when the democrats point out how sleazy a president we have elected they're going to say well democrats you're not so high and mighty what about joe biden's son so folks you may want to ignore it you may want to say oh it's not worthy of your attention you may want to say ben get your head out of the gutter but we're heading for a fierce fight and you're going to hear a lot about it in the days to come we got a great show today every day Everybody, Miles konflas will be here from in these times he said he's ready to talk about hunter biden how about that d uh and uh, we're gonna do plenty of no we're gonna talk some bernie stuff i got a great uh text uh, this morning uh from heidi henry our good friend uh the heartland mama about yesterday's heidi. Di- uh, yesterday's discussion on bernie bros and hillary and uh, so we'll be talking uh, to miles about that see what he has to think about that and maybe do a little Horowitz report uh, listen folks I know a lot of you, the Democratic persuasion, uh, don't want to do anything to divert attention from the ongoing impeachment. Of Donald John Trump And a yes, it's true Donald Trump, John Trump should never have been allowed To be president of the United States Because he didn't win the popular vote Okay, we have this crazy electoral system uh, Having said that uh, Even if he does get to allow, allowed to be president He should at least recognize the fact That it was a very divided country And it was not a mandate in any way uh, For him just to, to shove all his crazy policies Down our throats uh, And uh, he has given two middle fingers Up high to the Democrats and Congress uh he is uh, become an emperor president and he deserves to be impeached and i really think congress has no choice to but to impeach him but don't think we should ignore, for partisan issues, what was in the, uh, the inspector general's report, Michael Horowitz's report about the FBI and how it handles uh, going to get uh, subpoenas uh, to um, to wiretap people. I think there's some serious uh, civil libertarian civil libertarian issues at stake here. Love to talk to Miles Complason about that. And other issues today, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Peter PC Cunningham will be coming in now. D just to show you how benevolent I am. I have, I am, yes, of the lefty persuasion. I voted for Bernie in 2016. Pete is more of the Dem persuasion, okay? So he's more like, I don't know if he's literally supporting Joe Biden, but he's. More of that persuasion. Oh, way to be benevolent. Yeah, that's a benevolent. Okay, everybody. Yeah, I welcome everybody <laughs> in the studio. All right, so we'll hear after what PC has to say. I know well, it's when I hear it, and that's what that is right there. And, and by the way, PC is also, as you know, uh, an accomplished rocker, and he said he's going to bring his guitar. Uh oh. And you remember, he's been on the show this is his third time. The first time he brought the guitar, sang a song. Second time he goes, Ben, I'm above the guitar. I want to be known as a thinker and a political strategist. And then I beg, please, all right, I'll bring the guitar. So he's going to bring his car, sing a song. Song or two, uh, PC will do. Uh, and uh, yeah, so plenty of political discussion ahead. And we got a bonus, great bonus. I shouldn't be so excited because it's a bonus. But after the show, uh, jo- uh, Joanna Klonsky and Lana Hampton will be in the studio. We're going to record a bonus to drop it this uh, this weekend. Talk about, uh, oh my, it'll be another creep report. Looking forward to that. So plenty of political discussion ahead of us. Before we do any of that, the young man from Alton, yes, indeed, the man they call the doctor with the news by the way
1: you'll be able to hear that bonus this weekend at both chicago sun times and chicago reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts ben get your head out of the gutter Mm. i
2: know i shouldn't have read that i and then i shared it with people i started sending people did you see this about 100 anyway yeah head out of the gutter ben
1: how's it going everyone Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. First, we have to talk about what went down Wednesday. It was happening as we were doing the show live. I was trying my best to cover it, but as some of you may already know, several hats. (laughs) I wear several hats on the Ben Show. Yes, indeed. I was meeting our guests outside to let them in the building. But Mm. today we're going to cover it, all right? Our Illinois Governor Pritzker was alongside State Rep Kelly Cassidy and our new cannabis czar, Mm -hmm. former State Rep Toy Hutchinson. They were at a hearing at the Lexington Criminal Court building in Chicago. As Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox called for the vacation and expungement of over 1,000 low-level nonviolent convictions for possession of less than an ounce of marijuana. Here's the quote from Fox. as a prosecutor who has previously prosecuted these cases, we must own our role in the harm we may have caused, particularly to communities of color, and we must actively work to play our part in reversing those harms. Remember, starting January 1st, 2020, recreational marijuana will be legal in the state of Illinois. Ben, you've had some interesting thoughts on all this (laughs)
2: lately, haven't you? Yes, I have. Uh, I'm going to write about this uh, for the reader. I've really been thinking about this. I'm now against the legalization of marijuana. I say make it illegal, but nobody can get arrested for it. And you have, I agree, 100% expunge all those past arrests. Isn't that weird? I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm just a weird guy. What can I say, D? I spent the morning reading about Hunter <laughs> Biden's life, and then when I told people about it, I kept calling him Hunter Thompson. I got a lot of issues, all right? But, uh, yes, this is those, those people shouldn't have been arrested in the first place. The war on drug was a colossal failure, a waste of money, a waste of lives, a waste of communities and neighborhoods. It was a disgrace. And uh, shame, shame, shame on the Democrats for having any role in it and triple shame for the Republicans uh, for using it as a way to sort of like slice off downstate voters from Chicagoans. We've talked about that a lot. Bruce Roner would go downstate, talk to down oh, I'm against uh, the legalization of marijuana. Like people downstate, well, I'll vote for you now. Like like they're not smoking reefer downstate. What a bunch of frauds and hypocrites when it comes to, uh, to marijuana. Uh, and so I applaud Kim Fox. And Casey Kelly Cassidy and uh, Governor Pritzker for expunging. Uh, you know, D. I remember I've talked about this before. When uh, Mick Dumpke and I were first writing the stories on our crusade uh, for to make marijuana legal or to at least to stop the war on drugs, covering a case uh, at the Cook County Criminal Courts Building on Twenty uh, Second in California. Excuse me, and just unbelievable. The, the ridiculous cases they were like made up cases against so many defendants each one was like oh we f- we, we found this bag next to him it was like it was like they read from a, a, a script the the prosecutors and the cops about uh, these defendants what they had done and and then they dressed it up like it was some horrific crime when some guy was just possessing marijuana then there was a grow house case that we covered absolutely ridiculous the judge should in my humble opinion should just throw it out out of the court it was just a waste of everybody's time Uh, and they acted as though they were reading from a script so they were acting as though these were egregious crimes against humanity that people would be daring to grow marijuana illegally this is an outrage. And now, of course, it's legal. So uh, what, where's the outrage? You, you know what I'm saying? Now, what, they were, what these grow house people were doing was illegal at the time, so they treated it as though uh, it was an atrocity against humanity. Now it's legal, and the richest, wealthiest corporations in the world are going to benefit from it. And that's my problem with the whole thing, D. It's just the utter hypocrisy of it all. I know I should get over it with it and just move on, but it's hard for me to do so. So I applaud them. Uh, for what they did yesterday here here kim fox kc kelly cassidy and jb pritzker but it's gonna take me a long time to get over this thing you know the utter bold hypocrisy of it all and then we're acting so proud like yes what a great people we are yeah what about the last 40 years of wasting people's lives With this silly war on drugs Anyway D I'm all fired up on this one
1: By the way uh, Weigh in uh, Downloaders And live stream chat room I'm trying to convince Ben Once uh, recreational marijuana Becomes legal (laughs) In Illinois I'm trying to convince him To do a show Where he like Uh, I don't know It takes like an edible And uh, Interviews somebody uh, It could be a uh, Recreational marijuana special On the Ben Jarovsky show So here's how the interview would go If I did that
2: Uh, uh, That'd be awesome That'd be funny Uh, uh, man. Um, (laughs) you know that thing? Um, we got to take a break, man. <laughs> Yo, D. Put, what's that thing called? <laughs> That's actually sort of a regular show on the Ben Drops the Show exactly. anyway. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Just a little more tired sounding. <laughs> it was funny because today when I called Miles, see what do wanted to talk about? When I say, Miles, what's that thing I want to talk about? <laughs> He's like, how do I know what you want to talk about? Steven on the live stream weighed
1: in. He said, can you ima- imagine <laughs> the tangents that would take
2: place? The, the problem is it would be, I'd be like, uh, I'd be starting a sentence, Steven, and then I would forget where I was in the middle of the sentence. Ah, uh, Dennis would be taking over the show. Um, so, um, how's your latest? Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be a lot of breaks on that show. So, that uh. was yesterday's
1: news. On to today's news. And apparently, the place to be today, if you're an Illinois politician, was at the Harold Washington Library because both our Chicago mayor and Illinois governor were talking the 2020 census at the library. Did they check out any books? Mayor Lori Lightfoot, possibly. Sources in the library say that she may have checked out Bang on the Drum, the Todd Rundgren (laughs) biopic. We're still waiting for... Uh, you made uh, that uh, up. Well, obviously. We're, st- <laughs> we're still waiting for confirmation on that. As for Governor Pritzker. Are you kidding? Rent books? What is this, middle school? The bigger question is, <laughs> did he try to
2: buy that library?
1: I'm J.B. Pritzker, and I'm not a perfect person. Uh, Filthy
2: rich, everybody. <laughs> but he doesn't buy libraries. He buys horse farms. Do you get it right, all right?
1: In the evening, Pritzker will be <laughs> at the IUOE Local 399 in Chicago to celebrate the 60th anniversary of the Jesse White Tumbling
2: Team. It's 60 years? Yeah. You going? Uh, no, I'm not going, uh, but congratulations. 60 years? Wow, that's a long time. 60 years, if I do the math correct. Hold on. Do that math. Uh, that would be 1959, right? I believe so. Oh, dang, man. Tumbling dang. never goes out of style.
1: Uh, yeah, no. All right, now, Ben Jarofsky, something's been bugging me lately. All Uh-oh. right. I've recently noticed something about our governor, and mm-hmm. honestly, as a <laughs> filthy poor fellow from downstate Illinois, I can't yeah. help but feel a little concerned. So if you don't mind, Ben, I'd like to put on my camouflage downstate <laughs> Under Armour hat. Okay, go ahead. Talk with the governor one-on-one for a moment. Is no, that okay? No, no. Go ahead, yeah. Very nice of you. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, Governor Pritzker, how's it going? It's me, Dennis. No, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Now, JB, <laughs> every Tuesday through Friday, we Good. mention what's on your daily schedule. It's great podcast content. Thank you for going out and doing things, unlike the last governor. But I've noticed that damn near every time we've read these <laughs> in the last few months, really, going. dude, you're in Chicago. Yeah, you're always downtown, going to galas and big mm-hmm. fancy buildings, giving fancy speeches and eating fancy dinners. It's tough love time, Governor, all right? Listen, <laughs> I think you're doing a great job, and I get it. You're a cultured, well-to-do human being. You like the city. But, sir, you did not sign up to be the mayor of Chicago, all right? She did. This
2: little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine.
1: Uh, <laughs> so while you're hanging in Chicago all the time, cramping the mayor's style, come on, what's going on here? You're the Illinois governor, bro. And, frankly, I'm worried, Ben. <laughs> I think it's governor, bro. Governor Bro, I'm worried, (laughs) Governor Bro, that with all this time you're spending in Chicago, I don't know, maybe uh, you're losing touch with everyone else in the state who voted for you. Dude, I've lived in uh, the city damn near a decade. I still don't know what a gala is, all right? (laughs) I think it involves paintings. My point is, there's not a lot of galas happening anywhere else but Chicago. Pritzker, you got to get on that Amtrak, buddy. Head down (laughs) 55, start hanging with the people that elected you. Yeah. You have a literal mansion in Springfield. I imagine that place has cobwebs all over it. How about you stay there for a month or two? Give us a couple of press conferences in that infamous blue room. Remember the blue room, <laughs> yeah. Ben? We don't
2: hear about the blue room uh, anymore. Uh, Steve Brown. Remember we interviewed Steve Brown about the br- Wasn't it Steve Brown we interviewed about? Uh, yeah. Michael Madigan's uh, press secretary he was uh, explaining man. the blue room. What is is that's where the, you gather for the press conference? Uh, you know what? We haven't seen one in so long, I forgot uh, what it is. <laughs>
1: Prince you love yeah. hotels and signing legislation. I know it's not the fanciest building, but how about a bill signing at the Super 8 in Staunton, huh? <laughs> okay, Staunton. Yeah, yeah. Staunton, Illinois. You Have ever you been? ever been to Staunton? Yeah, we used to play Staunton in high school, all right? I've been to Staunton many times. A fancy dinner and meet and greet at the Joliet Red Lobster? Bindrowski, am I crazy? Shouldn't the governor of Illinois be spending more time in the rest of the state
2: not just only Chicago? Uh, you may be crazy, but you're right on this point. Okay. And, uh, by the way, the, news, the, the views and opinions of Dr. D are not necessarily those. Of the Benjirovsky show, no, Doctor D is speaking from his heart because he was born and raised in Downstate Alton. He's a downstater. and he always—you should hear him. By the way, folks, uh, when he's not on the mic, what he has to say about Chicago versus Downstate. Oh my God! Oh no, my it's God! Not, I don't do that. Oh, and uh, but uh, we have this uh, long-going debate. There's, there's like a lot of differences between Downstate and uh, Upstate, or whatever we are. For instance, I'll just throw out one uh, raging debate uh, between Dennis and myself, uh, Dennis. Oh. As a lifelong downstater insists uh, that people in the greater St. Louis area, uh, including on the Illinois side of the Mississippi River, prefer Jimmy Buffett. To Bruce Springsteen, absolutely. I have. I just think Dennis prefers nope. Jimmy Buffett to Bruce Springsteen. Nope. And that, in fact, if we did a poll of people in the downstate area around Alton, just uh, East St. Louis, et cetera, and so forth, uh, more people would prefer Bruce Springsteen to Jimmy Buffett than the other way around. That's a raging debate. I think uh, Governor Pritzker ought to weigh in on that one. He would be saying, ah, "I actually like uh, the Eagles." Oh <laughs> yeah. No,
1: he's... he's a he's a
2: Springsteen guy. So, so but I I do think that uh, Dennis is correct. I think the governor should spend more time downstate. It would might come unhelpful with the fair tax initiative. Uh, the governor wants to convince absolutely everybody in the state of Illinois Uh, that he's looking out for their best interests. And the fair tax would help people downstate as much as it would help people upstate because it's a progressive legislation as such. uh, It would have a great impact on people who don't make a lot of money living downstate, just as it would have a great impact, positive impact on people who don't make a lot of money living upstate because it would get you, it would force the wealthiest people to pay a greater portion of their income to taxes for the obligation to pay for the obligations that we have. So there you go. I just gave you a reason other than you know just uh, PR why Governor Pritzker should spend more time downstate. So D, why don't you give the governor some advice? Like where, if he wants to have, go to have a nice lunch downstate, you know, if he wants to have a nice night out downstate, where should he go? Oh, I don't want to go down there. <laughs> I left downstate to come Uh, up here. What are you talking about? uh, Do as I say, not as I do. I'm not the governor, (laughs) all
1: right? I can leave. Is there a Red Lobster in Alton? Absolutely, oh. Alton, Illinois. Red
2: Lobster. All right, let's go to that. Had place.
1: several first dates at that Red Lobster. <laughs> okay. In Alton, all, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right, and also too, like what, like I said earlier, uh, you know, you, she's not going to say it, so I'll say it. All right, she's kind of cramping Mayor Lightfoot. Well, Pritzker kind of cramping Lightfoot style, like this thing at the library. Lightfoot's got a covered. Go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think Lord Lightfoot lights hanging around with J.B. Pritzker, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even though he's not a perfect person. All right. Well,
1: thanks for letting me get that off my chest. Uh, we'll end up with some actual news here. This is about an issue that I know gets our host, Ben Drosky, fired up. Mm-hmm. Property taxes. Mm-hmm. Earlier in the week, we talked about Mayor Lightfoot's next big plan, build Chicago's economy in the next 10 years by increasing the city's population. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times, Franz Bielman and Rachel Hinton. Mayor Lori Lightfoot joined forces with Cook County Assessor Fritz Kagey oh. on Wednesday mm-hmm. and flatly denied that the assessment. Assessor's efforts to fix Cook County's, quote, broken property tax assessment system would scare off the development needed to reverse Chicago's population losses. Let's see here. We have a quote from Mayor Lightfoot. Mayor Lightfoot said, quote, nobody is trying to shock the system. Nobody is looking to scare away investment from Chicago. We all want to see our residential, commercial and industrial real estate markets thrive. Our success as a city Uh, is uh, inextricably tied to the growth and growth needs development to be real. That's unimpeachable, Lightfoot said. Addressing movers and shakers at the Cook County Assessor's Market Analyst Day in the South Loop, Lightfoot said she recognizes that the change isn't easy, but argued that the change has to come because property owners and investors deserve to know if they're being treated fairly and uniformly. There needs to be a focus on predictability and stability. I know that predictability is important, but predictability cannot be be about enshrining the status quo, Lightfoot said. Kegi campaigned on reforming the way the offices does business, in part, or in part because of studies that found that wealth was being transferred from low-income homeowners to their higher-income
2: counterparts. We should definitely bring Jason Grotto back to take the deep dive in this. He is the biggest property tax nerd, I know, uh, but he has a good way of explaining the complicated in ways that uh, everybody can understand. So, uh, Remind me to bring Jason Grotto back uh, from ProPublica, ACE investigative reporter, talk about property taxes. Uh, The reality is this, folks, I've said this many times, I'll say it again, it bears repeating. Our property tax system is very unfair for many reasons, but at the top of the list, there's an appeal process. If you don't appeal your property taxes, you're at a disadvantage to everybody else who does appeal. And I think there's a, a large segment of people in the city of Chicago. I'm just going to stick with Chicago right now. Uh, and also actually the suburbs as well, who don't do not understand the, uh, the process. It's uh, like I always say, every system has a system. And if you know how the system is works, uh, you can work the system. Uh, So many people, if you do not know about the appeal process, you do not appeal your taxes, your taxes will be be whatever the county says they should be. Your assessment of your your taxable property will be whatever the county says. If you appeal, you have a chance to lower it. If you lower the uh, assessable value of your property, then you pay less in taxes. Somebody else pays more. Right there, it's unfair. If you have an appeal process that only a few people know about or uh, relative few few people know about and the great majority do not understand it, do not know how it's played, uh, then that's a disadvantage uh, right there. So listen, we have to figure out a way to move away from the property tax as the sole funder, the primary funder of our, our public schools. That is so obvious. It's been obvious for as long as I've been in the, uh, in the city of Chicago. Uh, and yet we won't do that. Uh, it's It bakes in inequities and unfairness so that like towns like Winnetka and Wilmette have a leg up over the city of Chicago because they have more property, relatively speaking, to tax. Wealthier people could afford to pay the property taxes. Therefore, their schools have more money uh, for all kinds of fringe benefits that we don't have in the city of Chicago. And then on top of that, people have disposable income they could dip in their wallets and pay for... Uh, other programs uh, to sort of supplement what their property tax pay for the schools, so it's unfair, it's inequitable. It's been this way forever. Uh, I don't see it changing anytime soon. D. Uh, the first step is that fair tax that I talked about, uh, but that even 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 there, you know, even even there, that's going to be a, a very difficult problem. we going to talk about that with uh, Peter Cunningham later on today. The fair tax—it's going to be very difficult for Pritzker to win that battle, in my humble opinion because uh, you're going to need 60% uh, to implement the fair tax. So yes, the property tax is a huge reason why Chicago uh, is expensive. Yes, rising property taxes is a reason why uh, gentrifying uh, neighborhoods are forcing out uh, uh, lower income people. Yes, rising property taxes are the reason why we should have been much more vigilant before we allowed the city council to approve those two enormous TIF deals, 78 and uh, Lincoln Yards. Yes, though Two TIFF deals uh, will freeze property taxes uh, in the area, the amount that the taxing bodies can tax, forcing every other property, uh, the, the, everybody else's property taxes to go up more. Yes, they keep you ignorant about that. They don't even tell you the benefits of that. So, yes, when Lori Lightfoot and, and JB Pritzker get together to talk about property taxes with Fritz Kagey, they're not telling you the whole truth. Yes, you're suckers and saps, people in the city of Chicago. Anyway, running out of yeses uh, there. You're on a Yes, uh, rant here. You <laughs> like Pete yes. Buttigieg? No. Oh, man. By the way, can I just give another shout out to Lori Lightfoot for grilling Pete Buttigieg? Oh, okay. Uh Joanna Klonsky said she promises she's going to send me the full interview. So I'm going to have a field day playing that through that one. Maybe write a reader column about it. I've been really giving Lori Lightfoot a hard time about that teachers' strike and how she dealt with the teachers and not in the budget. Um, not spending more money to reopen the, the mental health clinics, but got to give her a shout-out for holding. She really went after old Pete Buttigieg at that, uh, uh, what was it? it? was some kind of assembly in Iowa. I don't know what it was anyway. A so. uh, presidential Q&A forum in Iowa. Wow, was that? How did, how did you know that? Well, uh, we do this every day, Ben. Yes, you knew that information, <laughs> and you was ready for us when you had it. Yes! That's good times. <laughs>
1: big fan of Mayor rom No, I'm not oh, big man, fan of Mayor rom right, all, right, all, right. uh, all right. So there you are. Just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois. And of course, we'll keep you. Yes,
2: you know what's Illinois. going on in Illinois and I Chicago. A feeling
1: this is gonna keep going on, <laughs> and we'll keep you posted on those stories as today's program rolls along. We got a little time here until our guest Miles Camp Lassen joins us. So in the meantime. Let's check out the YouTube live stream chat. What do oh, you say, I ben? love when you do the YouTube. <laughs> I know he mentioned this after the show yesterday. Man, D, I love when you do the live chat. <laughs> I love the live chat, man. The guys are really cool. All right, so first off, here uh, Bruce Bruce did his typical uh, multiple hands waving. So <laughs> thing right back at you, five hands or six hands waving back at you, Bruce. Uh, now, uh, for those who download, you missed it out. You missed out on it again. Ben sings the song of the day. Brianna weighed in. She says, "Who's killing a cat?" Oh wait, that's Ben singing. <laughs>
2: good time wait was she the one who said solo yeah she always <laughs> makes fun of you for singing oh that was brilliant that's solo i've been using that one uh all the time oh uh, all the time she said it yesterday <laughs> well, what do you well mean, all the time, the time since yesterday <laughs> d uh, can, can you sing solo solo <laughs> that we don't hear you yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> that was bruce, a good one man
1: bruce bruce weighed in as well he's uh talking about your uh your t-mails that you receive he says i thought it was the freedom caucus slash freedom party
2: uh, th- no, this, these emails are from the Tea Party. I'm looking again. He's uh, nice being sarcastic. Yeah, the Tea Party. Oh, I get it. Uh, uh, yeah, Tea Party. Tea Party. Uh, hold on. I pushed the wrong button. P- I mean, these phones, you know what I'm saying? They're uh-huh. hard. I pushed the wrong button. Yeah,
1: the life of Ben Jarovski
2: and that iPhone 5. Show everybody <laughs> your phone, Ben. With the. Bulls thing. Oh, hey, how about the Bulls? They won the other night. Oh, huh? hey, who cares? Okay. <laughs> Brianna weighed in again. She says,
1: OMG, can't wait to hear what Elena Hampton has to say.
2: Yes, Elena Hampton. Uh, she'll be in the studio a little after four. We'll do a uh, a bonus. So that'll drop. Dennis and I will have one of our famous uh, post-production meetings. Let's uh, go b- for it now. Let's just have a show meeting. What do you say?
1: Monday we drop it?
2: All right. Mon- wow, I love it. He's de- By the way, Miles, Monday. Miles is in the studio and he's wearing a Bulls T-shirt. All right. All right, there All we go. Right, All right, right on. That's he an awesome feels shirt. it. He feels it. Okay, Bulls were victorious last night, D. All right, our good friend
1: Stephen weighed in. He said, uh, J Bro Pritzker. <laughs>
2: <laughs> J
1: Bro. J Bro. <laughs> and uh, finally, here, uh, Brianna
2: weighed in again saying, It was a light grilling. Oh, a light grilling? Uh, She told him to rip up the DNA. Not DNA. What is it? Uh, Non-disclosure. I reversed it. There's that dyslexia, Miles, I've been telling you about. I would never would have gotten through Whitney Young High School Miles with
1: that dyslexia. He's one of a kind, that Ben Jarofsky. One of a kind love affair.
2: (laughs) Okay, sure. (laughs) All right. Well, coming up
1: after this short little break, our good friend Miles Camp Blassen is back, and he's going to be talking all things progressive politics with us. So don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, and we are live from the Chicago Sun-Times. The Ben Jarovsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters.
2: Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public chicagoland cremation options provides an affordable ethical and easy cremation arrangement whether in person or online save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to chicagoland cremation options it's a family-owned business operated by my good friend douglas klein here's how you reach them chicagoland cremation options.com one more time chicagoland cremation options.com it's chicagoland's adult entertainment playground it's the world famous Admiral Theater,
1: 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older To enter Commercial break over Welcome back to The Ben Jaromsky Show Live from the Chicago Sun-Times
2: Miles and In the studio From In These Times A regular Every Thursday On the show Talking all the Political issues Of the day Miles uh, I got to bring back our debate from yesterday. We had Adolfo Mondragon in the studio with uh, Monroe Anderson was in the studio as well. Doris Davenport came in. Rip-roaring debate. We, we never get tired of talking about Hillary, Bernie, and the, the lingering fight from 2016. I weighed in with a column uh, that uh, it's online. It's on our it's on Facebook. I don't know if it's on our Facebook page. It's on my Facebook page. We, I wrote it for the reader this week. Uh, very irritated at Hillary Clinton for the comments she made about Bernie. Thought they were unfair. That, that she showed ingratitude for the work that Bernie did on her behalf after he, okay, it took him a little while to get over the election. And I don't know why Hillary would be standing oh, so high and mighty on that issue. It took her a little while to get over the Obama election in 2008. Once he got over it, he was behind her 100%. The issue uh, is the attitude of many, quote, unquote, Bernie bros who uh, will never forgive and uh, were very nasty toward Hillary Clinton and Hillary Clinton supporters. Uh, and uh, so Bernie sometimes gets blamed for the rhetoric of his uh, Bernie bros. And as such, I have to read to you um, a text I got this uh, morning from Heidi Henry, our good friend, Heidi Henry. I hope you're listening, Heidi. Uh, one of the Heartland Mamas. For...
1: Co-host of the Heartland Mama podcast?
2: Yes, that's that Heidi Henry, a frequent guest on the Ben Jarofsky Show. It's
1: a great podcast, people. You should listen to it. Yes. What's it called again? The Heartland Mamas.
2: Right. The Heartland mom Ma- <laughs> I think that's a great title, man, Heidi. You got to go in there. Anyway, uh, Heidi was talking about how she was driving. I'm going to read you this text as best I can. And I, Heidi explained to me that it's one of those things, uh, Miles, where you don't type it, but you talk it. Yeah. And so it gets transcribed by some machine in Apple headquarters somewhere. Mm-hmm. And there's it's kind of hard. you know, It's a little incoherent at times. But... Um, she goes, uh, uh I was, dri- uh, I don't know if you heard me when I was driving, I was yelling from Winfield, Illinois, but I yelled right on Monroe so loud. I'm sure you heard it in Chicago. That's pretty funny. Heidi, I would have voted for Jesse Jackson too. When he ran, except that I knew, uh, that he was a dirty dog, just like Clinton. Heidi tells it like she feels, but he was the most compelling candidate that year. She says, as for the Bernie bros, uh, Monroe is right. Uh, Point for point, I agree with Bernie, except that he is not... A Democrat. That's my problem with him. Uh, Doris Davenport is right that Bernie bros are mean. I've lost more bro friends than Trump supporting friends because their ideology is absolute. We have to remember that Clinton was not a bad candidate. She won the popular vote by th- more than three million. She's absolutely correct there. Bernie would not have had any better showing. The 2016 election was rigged and we were not meant to win. We have to stop the circular firing squad and we have to stop repeating the language that Russia inserted into the Sanders-Clinton primary. Murray. We keep repeating that stuff uh, as if it's true. We know that it's Russian rhetoric. Thank you Heidi Henry uh, for sending that text I, I'm going to bring you back in a couple of weeks or so and we'll take the deep dive with you in the studio uh, You but, can hear
1: more riffs like that on the Heartland Mamas podcast.
2: What's the name of the podcast again? Heartland Mamas. That's what I wanted to hear.
0: Alright so Biles your response to that? Well, I have heard this before. I think that's pretty uh, frequent critique is that, you know, Bernie Sanders is only as uh, good of a candidate as the most extreme of his supporters. I uh, take issue with that in general because I think that, you know, you can't you, you can't just have guilt by association across the board for any candidate and say, oh, this one person was mean to me online who supports one candidate. Therefore, you know, they all of his supporters are. Um, you know, unreasonable and purely ideological. I do wonder, though, about I mean, I understand that the Democratic brand is very strong, certainly in Chicago, across Illinois. I wonder if that is more of a concern about uh, somebody's somebody's personal ideology as she's critiquing there, um Bernie Sanders not identifying as a Democrat, being upset because there's not alignment there. Um, Because I don't know why that would be a problem. I don't think that that's really a liability in an election when the goal is to win over independents and hopefully Republicans as well. You know, if you're uh, thinking, kind of gaming out the general election, you probably want a candidate who can appeal across the board and not just to people that already identify as Democrats. And what better person to do that than somebody who's been an independent their entire life in politics and that uh, speaks up against both the Democratic and Republican establishments? I mean, that's, I think, the difference that Bernie Sanders offers. And I don't see that as, you know, a problem going into a general election. And for, you know, somebody to say that's, I don't... uh, I don't agree with this candidate because he's not a Democrat, that's fine. But I think for me, that's just as ideological as saying, you know, I only agree with Bernie. I'm not going to agree with anybody else.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, the, and that's a fair point. And when I look at where things are going in politics, uh, it seems to be the trend that that strong identity with a party uh, is sort of vanishing. And let's just take a look at the Republican Party. Uh, The head of the Republican Party at the moment, the man who controls the Republican Party, the Republican Party is lemmings that will follow him wherever he goes, even if it's off a cliff. Of course, is President Donald John Trump, he was not a Republican most of his life. Who knows what he was? He dabbled with no collusion. Yeah. Thank you, Donald. I forgot about that. He gave 50 grand to Rahm Emanuel. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure he had an alternative motive, like he wanted that sign on that building. Uh, and it worked. He got the sign on the building. He hired Ed Burke uh, as his property tax lawyer. Ed Burke, of course, longtime Democratic committeeman here in the city of Chicago. Uh, and so he, he flirted with the Democratic Party when he wanted a tax break. So Donald John Trump uh, has, you know, he has no strong ties to the Republican Party. And now he controls the Republican Party. He is the Republican Party. Uh, so I guess Bernie Sanders, I don't mean to say he's in any way like Donald Trump, but there's some parallels, if you follow what I'm saying.
0: Well, and also I think that the, you know, the, what sets Bernie Sanders apart, I think, in this election is partially that he has been not just willing to stand up to the establishments, but he's taken positions that have pulled both parties in a very different direction. You know, take this, uh, take the issue of the Yemen war, for example. This is a war that was uh, that is still ongoing. Un- Going, people are. It's referred to as the worst humanitarian crisis in the world because of the amount of uh, starvation and death amongst uh, young children in the country of Yemen. It's a, a Saudi-led war, but it is being funded and fueled by the U.S., which is uh, supporting. Um, all these arms trades to Saudi Arabia, Bernie Sanders, you know, the Democratic establishment was not speaking out about this issue. It went on under Obama and neither was the Republican establishment because it's going on under uh, uh, Donald Trump. Yet uh, Sanders, you know, with Mike Lee of Utah, was able to put together this bipartisan coalition and actually enact the War Powers Act the first time it's ever been done. Um, and I think the part, the reason he was able to do that and that people see that as actual political courage is because he's, you know, not the whole to a particular party, and he's saying, look, this is what I believe in, this is what is just, and this is what we should be fighting for. At the same time, I mean, Bernie Sanders has been caucusing with the Democrats since he's been in Congress. It's not like he's been, uh, you know, working to undo the Democratic uh, agenda. He's been working to move it more in a more progressive direction through fighting for things like universal health care and uh, ambitious climate action. So I don't see that as like, you know, it's, it's not as if he's been subverting the party or something. And when it comes to the... Um, I mean, you pointed out in this in your column, which was great, I, I think, is uh, there were far less Bernie supporters who went for Trump in the 2016 election than there were Hillary Clinton voters who went for John McCain uh, in 2008. So this narrative that somehow... Bernie Sanders supporters or Bernie bros are to blame for Trump's election just is not backed up by uh, history or the facts. So I understand that that is, you know, a lot of people feel like the, the, the Bernie bro narrative is very real. I would just point out, look, look, who's just been, you know, endorsing and getting behind Bernie Sanders, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Elhan Omar, uh, Rashida Tlaib. These are strong women of color in Congress who believe that Bernie Sanders is the best representative of their vision for um, what they want to see the U.S. politics look like going forward. And he just got endorsed by the uh, the Center for Popular Democracy Action. This is a group that's a coalition of almost 50 progressive grassroots groups. It represents over 600,000 members. It's their first presidential endorsement in their entire seven-year history, and it's mainly made up of uh, working-class people mainly you know these are uh people that are you know women of color that make up the working class base so it's not as if you know these are all uh i understand as somebody who is a white guy who's a young millennial i'm not the best tribune of this information but i do think that that's uh, widely inaccurate portrayal is like all bernie sanders supporters are bros
2: no i wouldn't say all bernie sanders supporters are bros uh, at all Uh, First of all, I was a Bernie Sanders supporter. I'm definitely not a bro. I'm too old to be a bro. I'm a a row, which is an old bro. Uh, (laughs) But part of this is uh, a reflection, I think, of just the social media era that we live in. So that drives the narrative as well. And, And there are a lot of nasty Bernie bros out there saying a lot of nasty things. There's a lot of misogyny out there. And in general, I thought there was a lot of hypocrisy out there with the added reaction that people had to Hillary Clinton. Bill Clinton, you know, he was—he's the dirty dog, it wasn't Hillary Clinton? Now you could say she enabled him by putting up with him all those years, uh, but it was as though all the the bad, negative attitude that people had about Bill Clinton got dumped on Hillary Clinton. I don't know how fair that was, uh, and so I—I I, I remember feeling very strongly about this. Uh, Miles, when we were heading down the in October uh, t- toward the Hillary Clinton Donald Trump race, just a lot of the attitude that I heard expressed uh, from Bernie Sanders supporters, usually men, toward Hillary Clinton was borderline violent. So I had a lot of issues uh, with that. Uh, that said, it's just so bizarre everything about this Hillary Clinton story. I, I can't really quite shake it, even though what happened last Friday or. Oh, I was going to say, the term you're looking for, by the way, is brold. You're very brold. Oh, I'm brold. You're, you're a brold man. <laughs> I'm a brold man. But she was on the Howard Stern show. I don't know if you listen to Howard Stern back in the day. You're probably too young. But Howard Stern was one of the biggest misogynists out there. You know, and it's like this. <laughs> and Listen. He was so happy that she was on his show. He was just you know, showering her, thank you for being on the show. She didn't hold him. She didn't come out and say, well, Howard, there's a reason I wasn't on your show in the in 90s. You know, you would have probably asked me to take off my blouse or something like, there like that.
1: There was audio of Trump
2: on the Howard Stern show when he was running, right? Yeah, and Howard uh, Donald Trump was a regular on the Howard Stern show in the 90s and the O's, and he used Howard Stern's massive platform to just promote himself and his brand and his name. And uh, and you could argue that it was people like Howard Stern and David Letterman and Jay Leno who gave Donald Trump that platform that resulted in Donald Trump being president. So it's kind of ironic. You hear me? You know, that... Uh, that Howard Stern of all people would be the one turning to Hillary Clinton and saying, don't we hate
0: Bernie because he didn't endorse you fast enough? Yeah, but it did get him a lot of headlines. I mean, I think that that's the reason that he, he went that route and kept pushing her on it is because he knew that she wanted to say something about that and still clearly feel spurned by that experience. That said, I mean, uh, Bernie Sanders was recently on the Iowa Press show a few days ago and they asked him specifically about that. And his response was, look, I have a letter from Hillary Clinton that says, thank you so much for working so hard to make me president. I mean, I understand that there is the, there is still a lot of resentment and anger because that was, the 2016 election, you know, turned the world upside down for so many people that have believed in, you know, a vision of politics for so long and thought things were going to go one way. And it's hard to explain how Donald Trump, uh, this, you know, uh, sexist, racist villain could, you know, become the president of the United States. Um, And so there, you know, must be some kind of conspiracy or people were, you know, working behind the scenes to uh, make sure Hillary Clinton was not... The president, but that can't be said about Bernie Sanders. He went to, you know, 16 states. He did dozens of rallies, and th- th- that's, you know, it's just not backed up no, by yeah. history. It's also bizarre because Howard Stern said on, a, what is it, on, I think, Colbert, one of those late night shows, he said Bernie Sanders was his personal hero. So then to, you know, go on air and try to say, do we hate Bernie Sanders? Yeah. It's just, it's clearly just trying to get, you know, headlines and get people, you know, to listen to his show more. Well,
2: it, it worked. <laughs> I have to say, uh, I was suckered in like everybody well, else. Well,
0: because these are big fault lines. In American politics, and I think a lot of people are still, uh, uh, understandably, um, th- th- they the feelings are very raw. I mean, it's only been a few years since this election, and it's hard to get over that and think, you know, forward when you're still trying to relitigate the past. But I think we got to, you know, Hillary Clinton is not running for president. We have a slew of Democratic candidates right now that are running for the nomination, and it's you know becoming clearer and clearer who the top tier ones are and who are the most right. who are going to be the most effective at taking on Donald Trump all
2: right well we're gonna get into the top tier ones in a little bit but you, you said something that's really important and I want to back up and then concentrate on fault lines and when I put aside uh, just the 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 uh, the side issues of who Howard Stern is and whether Bernie uh, supported Hillary too late etc and so forth or whether Hillary is uh, uh, inconsistent in her appraisal of Bernie. Put that aside, I'm starting to wonder, and I put this in my column, and I would love to get your thoughts on this. Are we in a position where the centrist Democrats, if Bernie's the nominee, will not vote for Bernie? And and it's, I, I, I'm laughing, I'm, I'm gonna ask Peter Cunningham when he's coming in. He's more of a centrist Democrat, obviously, than you are. But, uh, you know, my pretty much my whole voting life. Uh, Miles, I've ended up voting for Democratic presidential candidates who are more to the center than I am. And I think 1988, I voted for Jesse Jackson for in the primary, and then uh, Michael Dukakis was the presidential candidate, and I voted for him. Uh, he won because he won the primary. He was a Democrat, so I was I'm a loyal Democrat. I, you know, I subscribe to the lesser of two evils strategy. That the, the worst Democrat is generally better than the best Republican. Um, do you think the shoe will be on the other foot? Do you think the centrists will do that? Or do you think they'll abandon the Democratic Party? The ROMs of the world will abandon the Democratic Party if Bernie Sanders is the nominee.
0: I don't think that many of them are even entertaining the possibility that he would be the nominee. And you heard that, you know, in that uh, Hillary Clinton uh, statement on Howard Stern. She said, I hope that Bernie doesn't do this to whoever the nominee is, completely foreclosing on the possibility that he would actually win the nomination. But also there's a reason that, you know, and this is something we should talk about is that, you know, the TV ad spends right now in the Democratic uh, primary as of spending out to the 17th of December. Right now, uh, Michael Bloomberg, who we know is uh, just entered the race uh, a few weeks ago, he has spent over $100 million, $100.6 point, point million. Tom Steyer has spent $81.2 wow. uh, million. Dollars. And the next highest is Bernie Sanders, but it's at $8.6 So you can see this incredible gap in terms of the spending that's over 10 times of what the uh, you know Bernie Sanders is spending is Michael Bloomberg and he's only been running for you know a few weeks this is not this isn't coming from a place of you know I think I'm the best nominee to take on Donald Trump this is coming from a place of we need to stop you know this leftward shift in the party because you know, Michael Bloomberg sees that as a safer investment than instituting something like a wealth tax, which both Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are running on, you know, which would not only tax income, which is something we're, you know, familiar with, but actually place uh, a tax on individuals' full wealth, which would be a huge dent in their uh, massive riches. And so, uh, an investment like this, you know, spending... Uh, you know, some certain hundreds of millions of dollars of their personal wealth to stop a Bernie Sanders from becoming the nominee is a much safer investment. But it means that that's how corrupt our democracy has become when, you know, billionaires are purchasing the organs of our democratic process. You know, it's Jeff Bezos owning the Washington Post. These are like the rich, this is oligarchy in action. It's the richest people in the country that are working to undermine what, you know, democracy is supposed to be. And the people that are supporting Bernie Sanders' campaign, of course, are mostly teachers. They're people that work at Walmart. These are the the most working class uh, base of any candidate. Uh, And that is being undermined by these massive billionaires trying to purchase the election process. So I don't know if Michael Bloomberg is going to support Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump, but it really does not seem like he's interested in the vision of the Democratic Party that Bernie Sanders is presenting, and so I could very well see him working as hard as he can to make sure Bernie isn't president, whether he's the nominee or not. Now
2: that's interesting. I finally saw a Bloomberg ad. I'm not a, uh, I know he's been saturating the airwaves. But somehow or other, I saw a Bloomberg. I can't remember how I saw a Bloomberg well,
0: our, ad. you know, Illinois, we're, we're, our primary isn't until March, March 17th. So if you're seeing a political ad right now, yeah. it's going to be Tom Steyer or Michael Bloomberg because they are the ones that are massively, you know, uh, uh, blanketing the airwaves.
2: Yeah, I, it may have been during a Bulls game. What else? What else do I watch? But it was an ad. And the, the thing I remember about it is that he was um he he was introducing himself to voters you know it was one of those rollout like who am i and uh and one of the things he was championing was that he uh was a strong supporter of gun control which is a very interesting issue to lead with uh and obviously he feels it's his strongest issue um i happen to be a big believer uh in the need for more gun control i think we've kind of insane with this our love and worship are guns. And we see that every day when there's another a shooting. What just went down in New Jersey was frightening. Uh, what happens every weekend in the city of Chicago is frightening. Um, but having said that, if you think strategically, uh, if you want to win over the conventional wisdom, if you want to win over undecided voters or Trump voters, uh, this may not be the best issue to lead with. And yet, that's what Michael Bloomberg is. Leading with now, I would respect him uh, if he would say, "I'm going to take that same drive and energy I have for unpopular issues like gun control, or go up against uh, these powerful interests like the NRA and control." But I'm going to do that for a fair wealth tax. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. A fair. But I I don't see him taking the next step. It's it's as so, though it's like all the most. Least popular issues that the mainstream of the Democratic Party has for winning over Trump voters are the ones he's leading with. And he's ignoring the populist issues that probably could get a foothold yeah. uh, in areas where Trump did well. So I don't even understand the strategy that Michael Bloomberg's following with all
0: that money. Well, I think the strategy is just to you know try to m- make it so that Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren aren't the nominees. And I think that that's—Mike Bloomberg might think that he would be a good nominee, but he has the, the highest uh, disapproval ratings of any candidate right now in the race. So hard to see that aspect anybody who, you know, lived in New York while he was mayor. And I think that you'll hear um, some pretty harsh critiques. I mean, that's the the reason de Blasio won largely in New York is because he ran against Stop and Frisk, which was the, you know, the, the program that Bloomberg had carried out in New York, which was incredibly racist and proven to be, you know, in terms of how it was executed by the NYPD. So I don't think that, Bloomberg is himself a very captivating candidate. I don't think there's, you know, that's what he, what's so fascinating to me is that his argument, and I know we've talked about this in terms of J.P. Pritzker here in Illinois, but his argument is, look, I, nobody is going to give me money. I'm going to use my own money and invest this as if that is somehow a more, a democratic approach to politics, saying I'm going to buy this election, rather than I'm. And in his critique of Bernie Sanders, is saying, "Oh well, he's taking other people's money to advance his career, as if this is some you know <laughs> secret ploy by Bernie to become you know richer and more powerful." Uh, that is, uh, you know, absurd on the face of it. I think because obviously, you know, you if, you if if you don't have support, if you don't have grassroots support, if you're not exciting people, they're not going to donate to you. And so if you just say, oh, well, I'm going to, you know, buy my own way through this, that's not a way to win votes. I mean, this is you know going to be the most pivotal. Uh, election of our lifetimes. I think. I mean, I think 2016 was in many ways. But look, the, we've got less than 10 years to um, stop the massive warming of the earth. We've got you know the uh, healthcare crisis that is ballooning. There's so many. I mean, we, we go on and on. And yet, and Donald Trump is looking at another four years of uh, presidency where he could completely stack the courts with his nominees, including the Supreme Court. And then Michael Bloomberg thinks he's going to be the candidate that's going to be able to win over him. When you know you when you see the massive rise rallies and grassroots support for candidates like Sanders and Warren. So I don't think that it's out of His belief that he could actually become the nominee. I think it's much more. uh, They're freaking out, you know, because they see what's happening right now, and the race is tightening, as I mentioned before, uh, and it's becoming clearer and clearer. As you know, you see candidates like Harris drop out, and Buttigieg getting roundly attacked, rightly for you know his private fundraisers and his history at this um, you know management consulting firm, McKinsey and Company. It's you know more and more people are, and Joe Biden's poll numbers are dropping. That's something people haven't. Talked about as much they talk about Warren's numbers slipping which is true but biden across all the early states even dan pfeiffer who you know people might call centrist democrat he is a, a you know co-host of the um uh pod save america and of course was former obama administration official he's or worked on the campaign he is uh he he said recently look this is the, the candidate that is looking most likely now to uh sweep the early states is bernie sanders and nobody's talking yeah. about it really
2: well all right we're going to take a break we come back we talk about the top tier uh candidates uh i'm gonna we're gonna talk a little horowitz report I'm, i think i'm the only one in the universe who's up- obsessed with this report but i think lefties uh they should p- pay attention to this as well and the other issues today with miles we'll be right back hey everybody what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of jeff manuel M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel.
1: Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture.